Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. The National Beep Baseball Association, or NBBA, says that baseball is America's favorite pastime. America's favorite pastime is also being played by the blind and visually impaired in the form of beep baseball. According to WLRN, beep baseball, as you might guess, is a game where the sighted pitcher throws the beeping ball to a teammate. That teammate listens for the sound of the ball and decides when to swing the bat. If the teammate hits the ball, either the first or third base players catch the ball, and if the hitter runs to one of the bases before the other team finds the ball on the ground, it's a run. If the other team finds the ball, it's an out. Here to explain this exciting game is Darnell Booker. He's the NBBA's second vice president and the public relations chair. Welcome to the show, Darnell. Thank you, Brian. Good to be here. Glad to have you here, too. Before we talk about beep baseball, let's learn first about you. How did you speak out to become the second vice president? and work as the public relations chair for the National Beep Baseball Association. I've been in beep baseball since 1985, been around the sport for over 30 years, of course, and worked my way up toward it. First of all, I played, then I became uh, active in in the NBBA uh, as a player, now as a board member after a board member, and now I'm an officer for the league. It must have taken a lot of hard work for you to get up to this point. It didn't take that much hard work, just kind of knowing the sport, knowing all the teams, and just speaking, uh, being a communications, being in communications, as well as I love to be around people, and I'm a people person, and beat baseball is definitely a people sport. And you have to definitely learn how to communicate and must not communicate at all times. And communication is one of my big, strong points that I have to bring to the table. Now we're going to get into the history of beep baseball. NPR says that the sport started in the 60s in Colorado and became more popular in the 70s after the less protective rules were passed. Explain this history to our listeners. Beep baseball, I'm pretty sure, started in Minneapolis, St. Paul, in the late 60s by a guy named Charlie Fairbanks. Decided beep baseball is a sport that with the history of it, but being played, it had it needs to be something for the blind and visually impaired to do and have recreation, and then recreation turn into competitiveness. And the first World Series of Beat Baseball, I do believe, was 1975 or 76. And then 42 years later or so, uh, you find it to where it is today. It's became bigger and better in sport. There's several countries now involved. That's really, really great, and we hope to expand that in more countries. Beatball is played basically on soccer fields or on the outfield of baseball diamonds, but basically soccer fields. 
the ball beeps and the bases buzz. And as you mentioned before, there's only two bases, first and third. And the bases are random. A base operator decides what base that the batter runs to once he or she hits the ball. It is a co-ed sport. So both male and female players can play? Yes, sir. Now, some of the equipment the NBBA says include, as you mentioned, that beeping baseball. There are also some chargers and some bases with electronics. Correct. How do people use and order this equipment? They go through the National Beat Baseball Association website or the nbba.org. You can click on equipment, and one of the balls are $35, and a set of bases is $400. The set of bases comes with two sets of bases, comes with a tackle box that is the box which is a switch that goes left or right and it comes with with the wires on a spool for first base and third base wires and you plug those two in the back and there will become your sound to the bases because you plug parts one part of it to the tackle box and the other box on the bases there's wires in there so that way you will have your bases working in the ball comes with the beat ball for $35 there's a ball charger in case the ball gets a little bit low you have a ball charger you want to keep the balls in a cool place and not outside so the ball can definitely stay charged and be ready to be hit you pretty we go through a lot of them sometimes the balls are made great and sometimes they're not and the balls are made and the bases are made out in denver colorado all right that's definitely a lot of money 35 dollars for all the bells and whistles the equipment has Let's talk about the sport. It's a relatively easy game, but it's got some differences from regular baseball. What are the differences? The differences in beat baseballs as opposed to regular baseball and softball. In beat ball, first of all, when you are fielding or hitting, no matter if you're blind or visually impaired, you must wear a blindfold so that makes the playing field equal. Secondly, beat ball you get four strikes instead of three strikes and there's no throwing in beat ball there's just fielding running and hitting and the pitcher is on the same team as the batter and in the field of play when you're playing defense you have spotters that are sighted individuals who are the fielder's eyes there's six players that play on the field at one time and they play different zones and there's two spotters on the field at one time. One covers one side of the field and the other covers the other side of the field. And once the ball is hit, the spotter calls a particular zone. Fielders know what zone the ball is in and they work together. There's a front line and a back line. Once the ball is hit and it gets past the front line, the fielders can say by left, by right, or or right at you. So the back line knows which way to go because the spotter can only call one number and that is it. And then the defense must work together. It's a good teamwork sport as well. Back to the offense. The batter is, is works with the pitcher, and it's about timing. So there's a cadence that the pitcher says, here we go, ready pitch, or set, ready ball. And once the batter hears the word ball or pitch, they know when to swing. And that's the cadence from their pitcher. And it, there's a lot of timing that goes into it between the batter and the pitcher so once that's done the base operator turns on either first or third and the batter knows which base to run to they're little 10 foot like four foot tackling pylon dummies little foam cushion bases they have the feet and they have a little 
tall little mechanism. They have those speakers inside, and they're 10 feet off the fair line, so there won't be any crashes when the batter runs into either first or third. The bases are in foul, set up in foul territory. From home plate to the base, it's 100 feet. It's the guys and gals are fearless. Could you imagine running 100 feet to a base from home plate once the ball is hit? Back in my time, when I played in the, in the mid-80s, their bases were 90 feet, but then they moved them back to make it really, really competitive and, and hard and challenging. Okay, we're going to move the bases back now 100 feet. So that's the difference in the bases as well because regular baseball or softball are 90 feet from home plate. These are 100 feet from home plate. There's no second base because of the occupying of the field by the player, by the fielders. And here's an amazing thing that's happened about five times in the history of beat baseball. At the beginning of the inning, if a ball is hit in the air and the spotter calls a particular zone and a fielder catches it in the air, not on one hop, but in the air, the side is retired. So if there was the out, if there was no outs, it would be just three outs. It would be an automatic three outs and the side's retired. That's only happened about five times in our sport. Also, there's a home run line, which is 170 feet. And once the ball is hit in the air by the offense, if it lands on that line, not rolls, but lands on the 170-foot line, and they make it to the base, your team gets two runs instead of one. So it has to land on that 170-foot line. That would be an awesome hit. Now, there's a ruling and beat baseball. That's called no pitch. What's no pitch? When the pitcher pitches to you, to you, me being the batter and the pitcher pitches to me, and I hit the pitcher, that's called a no pitch. So if the count was 0-0, zero, zero, the count will remain 0-0. Zero, zero. Or if the count is full, like our full count in beat ball is a ball and three strikes, the count will remain the same. Because in beat ball, you can let one ball pass and you get four strikes. So basically, you can get up to five pitches. But a lot of the good teams, the teams, they just swing it off four pitches. And there are foul balls. And, and we do have umpires. We have a home plate umpire and we have a field umpire. The home plate umpire watches the runner and the field umpire watches the field. So you could have some bang-bang plays. And sometimes you do have that. And the, both of the umpires will confer and... And they'll say, what did you see? What did you see? Or whatever. So depends on how the play goes. You'll have, just like in regular baseball, you'll say, sometimes the calls go against you. Sometimes you don't get the calls. So it's a really, really competitive sport. And that's what a no pitch is, is when the ball hits the pitcher. It's called a dead ball. And the count remains the same, whatever the count is, whether if it's at the beginning of the at-bat or in the middle, or is it a full count? Now I gotta ask you a hard question because you mentioned calls. What if there are any unruly players or people in the grandstands during a beep baseball game? What happens? Well, what happens? Okay, here I mean, in beep ball, our sport is just, like there's another difference in our sport. In baseball and softball, you know how you just cheer everything. We always say applause is necessary, but silence is golden. You have to wait until the play is over with to cheer for either a great defensive play or a run. So if 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 a player or a spectator becomes un unruly or obnoxious, you will get some warnings from the umpires. And if, if it continues... There have been players, there have been catchers, 
there have been pitchers thrown out because of they can't control their temper, and there have been fans that there have been fans asked to leave the grandstands because they continue to argue with the umpire. So it's pretty much the same thing. If if it continues, then the umpire has the right to give them the heave ho. How are the beef baseball teams organized? Without volunteers, beef baseball would not happen because you have your players and each team does it differently in their own city. You definitely need to start a beat ball team. You need the following components. You need a dedicated pitcher, a, a catcher, spotters, two spotters at least, and I'd say to have a good team, six to 12 players, because you have six players that start, then you have your role players. Additional volunteers would help drive the athletes to and from a practice. So you really, really need to start out to have a beat ball team. It's about 12 players, two pitchers, which you would have your starting pitcher and your backup pitcher, two catchers. So you got 12, 14, 16, two spotters, 18. You may want to have a third spotter to rotate one in, 19. So you really need about 20, as far as players and volunteers combined, you need about 20 to, to have a really good foundation to start a team. Or you can do it recreational, just if you want to kick around and just have fun and get together every now and then. But a competitive beatball team, I'd say they have at least 6 to 12 players. Because like in every sport, you must have depth and you must have a bench because you play a lot of games at the World Series. So, and it's good to have role players to give relief to some of the to starters. We're going to get into the NBBA's version of the World Series in just a sec. What are some of NBBA's major teams? There's lots of teams across the country. There are like there's teams that there's lots of teams in in all sections of the country, the Midwest, the South, the East, the West. And there's international teams, one from Taiwan, one from the Dominican Republic and one from Canada. Each year, there's lots of teams popping up because they want to play beat baseball. So the sport is definitely growing. I say um, the hotbed, I'd say for beat baseball right now, I'd say it's the Midwest. Um, I'm from Indianapolis, and I'm also, as not only am I the second vice president of the NBBA, but i also the general manager and head coach of the Indy Thunder beat baseball team, and our team has been around since 2000, and we just won our second straight World Series. All right. And you played the Taiwan home runs, right? Yes, we did, and it was an amazing week of competition. All the teams were great. The con- the competition is so fierce at the World Series. It's amazing. So, um, yeah, I'll tell you, and, and I think our team, um, because as you know, Brian, I'm, I'm sure you follow sports, in any sport, Father Time will catch up with you if you're older, if you're an older team or whatever. So our team has a mixture of youth and, and and veterans on our team. So I think a lot of my players now, a lot of my team, a lot of the teams are trying to get younger because I do believe that um, the Indy Thunder, 
you know, I'm, I'm a little, maybe a little bit biased, but it's truthful. The Indy Thunder, I think, set a precedent two years ago when we won the World Series for the first time in our organization. We, um, five of our seven starters were 20 years and under. And that means it's becoming a younger sport. I mean, a lot of guys still play up until the people play up until their 60s or 70s. But again, you know, I think the youth is going to be the future of the NBBA. And also, one other thing, when I said five of our seven starters, in beatball, like in baseball, you can have a designated hitter. But the difference also between beatball and baseball is not in beat, baseball, they do not have this. But in beatball, they do. It's called a designated fielder, where the fielder, there's just one person that just fields, and the and then the one person be a designated hitter that just hits for the fielder, and the fielder just fields for the designated hitter. So that was another difference between beatball and baseball. So that's why I said five. There's six batters at one time, but there's also six fielders, but that but that seventh person, like it's like a defensive fielder or that there's fields only, and he's just subbing for the for the DH, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. What are some of Beep Baseball's great players? Wow. <laughs> some of, there's a lot of great players around the league, around the country. Um, we have a great um, – Vincent Chu from Taiwan is a great player, been around for a long time. Um, we got, uh, one of the great players, uh, in our league. We got some up and coming players. We got some Hall of Famers. We got, uh, so we got, uh, who can I say that's been around for at least since the early 80s and he's with the Indy Thunder. He's a Hall of Famer. Clint Woodard is, I mean, Clint Woodard is, and Woodard is a very, uh, name in our sport because it's a, a lot of these teams that have, uh, players on there. It's a family thing because it's like families. It's just a lot of the families are involved in beat baseball, whether it be like our, on our, for instance, for the Indy Thunder, Clint, who is an older player, his son is a phenomenal pitcher, Jared Woodard. We're fortunate to have Jared on our team. And it's a, and he pitches to his father who's totally blind and Jared's an, a sided pitcher and, and he's amazing. So you got Jared, who's an amazing pitcher, and then Clint, who's a Hall of Famer, and and he's been in he's been in beat ball since the early '80s. And you also have Mike McGlashan from the Chicago Comets. He just went into the Hall of Fame. We also have uh, Wool in the NBBA, which stands for Women of Our League. So and there's still a a co-ed sport, but the women decided. To like, hey, let's have a women's league. Like we're all basically all the women's play. So the women formed a league about two two years ago. This is their second year playing. They play just an, an annual game at the World Series. So there are some great women players like Clary Gartley from the Chicago Comets, Faith Penn from the Austin Blackhawks. We got Lupe Perez who plays for the Indy Edge is also some good a good player. We got Danny Fapiano that plays with the Indy Edge is a good player. So we got James Michaels is a good player. We got um, Mike Finn, who was just from the Austin Blackhawks. We got just, just one of our young rising stars is from the Indy Thunder. His name is Eric Rodriguez, 17 years old. In one of our regional tournaments, Eric made history. He went 19 for 19 in our regional tournament. He batted a 1,000 for the regional tournament. 
I'm not sure if that's been done anywhere in our league as far as a regional tournament is concerned. Those are tournaments before the World Series that preps you, prepares you for the World Series. But Eric batted a thousand for the weekend. Dang, wow. Except 17 years old. Every time he got up and batted, he scored. So he went 19 for 19 in Chicago at the Bolingbrook tournament. And like I said, I'm fortunate to know some of these guys that I coach. I mean, I'm fortunate to have a very, very good team, but it's also you have, you got to have a very, very accurate pitcher. And I've pitched for over 20 years, but then when we were fortunate to land Jared, who's an amazing pitcher, he's a little more accurate than I am. So Jared, and you know, he he's really good at his craft. You got to be good at your craft and anything you do. And these guys and these youth that I have on my team really take they take it serious, and they're year-round athletes. They don't only play beat baseball. They play other sports throughout the school year when they're involved in other sports. So I think that's what makes um, my team pretty good because a lot of our athletes are multi-sport athletes. And I think the league is going toward that, Brian, in the future. Where you got also a, uh, one other name I want to throw out there is a, Christ, a Christian Thaxton of the Boston Renegades. He batted. He was the MVP of the offense in the World Series. Batted eight ninety seven, eight ninety seven for the World Series. He's a great player for the Boston Renegades. Very good. So you got these guys who used to play baseball that have some sight and lost their sight that are just great hitters. And definitely Christian is one of our best hitters in the entire world. And Eric was on the all-offensive team. And the Indy Thunder had three players on the um, all-offensive team in the world. And some of our best. And Eric also made the all-defensive team along with um, Isaiah Wilcox was the best defensive player in the world. He's from the San Antonio Jets. So, again, it's up and down the entire country, but the Midwest is very, very, is a very good hotbed for beat baseball. So yeah. I named you quite a few players. Yeah, and like yeah. I said, but, really but besides the players, players some great, there are some great pitchers as well. Really good players but, you've got. And how can our listeners learn more about beat baseball and start their own game? Um, they can visit our website, um, nbba.org, and they can click on new teams. And there's information about how to start a team and who to get in contact with the team, how to, who can help them get started with the team. That's awesome. And we look, and we look forward to, and I look forward to helping them as far as public relations in their city or wherever they need to, to do, uh, to where to start a team. But also we have information on our website, nbba.org. Darnell, thanks so much for coming on today and speaking out for the blind and telling us all about beep baseball. I'm sure some of our listeners now may want to play this unpredictable but exciting game. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me, and I hope I uh, informed all the listeners about beep baseball, and I hope they can start a, a team in their city. In closing, I would like to say beep baseball is a real eye-opener. It sure is. Thank you, Darnell. And before we go, I welcome your comments on this program, listeners. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind, or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. 
My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash the dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. The Best of Yesterday and Today with Michael B. can be heard every Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Interactive. He features the best of 70s classic rock, 80s new wave, 90s hip-hop, 2000s alternative rock. If you need to reach Mike during or between any of his shows, send email to mburn6516 at aol.com. To Skype Mike, search Smiley hyphen sign guy 218. Don't miss the best of yesterday and today on ACB Radio Interactive. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs.